passion is growing. The animal is out. Nicholson. Pfeiffer. Don't look so scared. Wolf. Rated R. At theaters June 17th. Can you drink tequila this early? How the f did you know? You kidding? You can smell it a mile away. This is It Happened One Year, a look back at the events big and small, famed and forgotten from... Hey, everybody. Hello. Welcome to the show. We're doing it again. We are. It happened I, one year, 1994. 1994. Can you believe it? Still, I wonder how that's going to come out. We're still doing it. Yeah, that, I probably it'll sound probably like we're talking on top of each other. It won't sound like we're doing it in in synchrony. No, it never does. I found it. Uh, in, in the going back in the editing, it basically sounds like we cut each other off constantly. When really, it's just <laughs> the delay from this room to that room. I always think you've stopped talking, or you seem to think I've stopped talking. <laughs> Bad at podcasting. I think that's really the key. The key takeaway here. We could do this for years and we'll never really master it. Don't disparage my favorite podcast. It happened one year. It's a great oh, podcast. Everyone's favorite podcast. If the I numbers are to be believed. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say it's everyone's favorite podcast, but it does probably feature everyone's favorite Buffalo Bills episode. <laughs> and if only the Bills had gone deeper in the playoffs this year, I think we would have seen a huge jump in our numbers come the Super Bowl like we did every weekend the Bills were playing. Look, we don't understand why people listen. I mean, not that many people listen, but we don't understand for the people that do listen, why they listen. And we certainly don't understand which episodes they listen to. It makes no sense at all. No, I do have a theory, which I believe I've presented before on this show. Dave Garden is radio gold. <laughs> and I think that's what the answer is. Or Dave Garden is sitting and listening to that episode yeah. all of the time. That's actually my theory. It's one or the other, right? Yeah. I don't know. I can't imagine that. To just like every morning, Dave Garden wakes up, puts on his episode of It Happened One Year, <laughs> and like how, hypes himself up in the mirror as he gets ready for work. That's yeah, he's just happening. brushing his teeth with excellence. Just unbelievable. <laughs> so, could be. So, we are doing it again. We we still have, uh, you know, stuff we want to cover. Yep. And and we are now rolling this back to a format we, we sort of lost along the way. I don't yeah. even remember when the last time we did a Dealer's Choice episode was. It's been a little while. Yeah. I'm not uh, on top of my head. I don't actually know. We did a couple. We've done a couple. Yeah. Uh, in yeah. the early days, but we haven't done one in a bit. How and many did we do? We did the the Lion King was a dealer's choice. Yeah. Speed. And Speed was a dealer's choice. I think the X Files was a dealer's choice. Oh right, we did an, the X Files. That was a dealer's choice. Yeah. Because that's the running theme is that I have never won the dealer's choice. Yeah. Joe's zero and three in dealer's choice. At least um, I could be zero and four. I don't remember yeah. what else we might have done. That's true. Four weddings and a funeral might have been a dealer's choice. Oh, I think it was actually. Yeah. So it's there's a there's a bunch. There's a bunch of history against me here. But does it just mean I'm due? Could be. One way to find out, listeners. So yeah, we thought we'd do one more dealer's choice before the season wraps up. At least and one. Give give Joe at least one. <laughs> and give Joe a, an opportunity to maybe uh, maybe win one or not. Yeah. So we've both got topics ready to go. We are prepared we for everything. But yes. uh well, no reason uh, to wait any longer. No time like the present. Let's spin that wheel and find out. Here we go. Happy Joe from Kokomo. No! Damn it! It's about time. Oh. Joe comes through. 
I really wanted to run the table on the dealer's choices this year. Oh, well, you're going to have to wait until next year because this year Joe's on the board. 2022 kicks me in the ass yet again. It's been a tough month. (laughs) So... So we get to talk. A, we get to talk a, a Joe topic now. In the past, I have threatened a lot of things that we could talk about. Yes. Uh, ob- obscure novels from '94. Yes. Um, I, I think I've mentioned before the Archie meets the Punisher comic book that was always on the table as a possibility for the Dealer's Choice. Oh I know God. you had to read it a number of times. I did. Well, here's the thing: like we knew we were going to do a Dealer's Choice, so Joe made me prepare, but he wouldn't only let me prepare for one. So just in case. I- he he gave me the comic book and put me in a room, and I de- I definitely read it. Definitely got through all of it. I it was weird because while you were reading it, I could tell you were acting it out, but it seemed like it sounded like a TikTok, <laughs> and that you were acting it out in a TikTok format. <laughs> but that is not what we're picking today. We're not going to no. talk Archie and Archie meets the Punisher. I'm sorry. Thank thank goodness. Yeah, I. Knew- I- was very nervous about my ability to show up prepared for that episode. Yeah. You know, it's fair. It's fair. I don't. I, I'm guessing it's not going to happen at this point. Uh, we'll see what season we pick next. Maybe <laughs> Archie when he met Kiss. I don't know something. But there's a lot of options when it comes to Archie comics. Uh, no, we're going to talk. Uh, we're you know we're going to talk. We're talking about the movies. And I know we just recorded a movies episode that covered. I want to say literally <laughs> sixty movies. <laughs> where... Ooh, are we going to talk about Forrest Gump? Uh, no. No, Damn that it. would be a Sarah's dealer's choice. Shit. Uh, no, we are going to talk about the, I, I, I guess, it. I don't know if it's a forgotten film necessarily, or I don't even know how well it's regarded, but it has an Oscar winning director. Uh, it's got multiple Oscar winners in the cast, uh, more Oscar nominees. And weirdly, it's also sort of a horror science fiction-y monster film. We're going to talk oh. about 1994's Wolf. Oh, all uh, right. Like, Joe did make me watch this movie, and I will say, I didn't hate it. This it was, was weird. This was the first time you, this is the first time you saw Wolf, for sure. Yes. But oh, this was also, sure. you weren't even aware of its existence. Is that oh, no. right? No, never heard of it. No. Yeah. Until you started mentioning it for this podcast, I didn't, I was, this was nowhere on my radar. Yeah, I don't know how well-remembered this movie is. So, Wolf uh, came out in June. It was a, a summer film in 94. <laughs> Uh, I believe it comes out the same week as Speed and The Lion King. It's that It's that <laughs> oh, week. No. So I could see maybe why Wolf doesn't stick in the memory because people weren't seeing it. But it did 65 million, which yeah. 65 million in 1994, that's, yeah. you know, that's 140, 150 million now. So that's a pretty decent size hit. Hey, don't start getting bored. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. I was yawning just because it's a little late, like, uh-huh. for us to be podcasting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but no, so I mean, Wolf did sixty-five million, yeah, uh, in a in a very con, you know contended part of the year. So that's something. I mean, I would say bad call studios for putting it. I mean, look, no one knew the phenomenon that Speed would be sure. there, yeah. but like the timing is poor. Although I guess, like, I guess you could say that Wolf and Speed probably have some crossover uh, in their audience, but uh, I don't think Wolf and the Lion King really do, regardless of the fact that they are both about wild animals. Uh, I mean, I guess, yeah, as a counter-programming thing, it does kind of make sense. Maybe, because again, Speed didn't have those sort of expectations from people, so that was part of the surprise hit. But Wolf feels like it should have come out in October, right? Hmm. 100% that's a Halloween movie. Yeah. I mean, that's just what, that just seems fitting. So it's a little odd that it came out in June, but it's probably because of the major star power in this movie, where you have Jack Nicholson in in the middle of a really good Jack Nicholson run. 
Uh, and Michelle Pfeiffer when she's legitimately at her peak. So, like, this is a big film. Yeah. But even as we were watching it, why do you think they made this movie? <laughs> what was appealing to them about this movie? I believe I asked you that while we were, while we were, because I, I don't know. Okay, so we should do a little setup maybe of the plot so that okay. people understand kind of why it, this movie is so bonkers. Yeah. But at a high level, like it's just a guy, he works in a company and he's getting kind of screwed over and then he becomes a wolf. Like that's it. He gets bit by a wolf, turned into a wolf. And it slowly becomes a wolf. Yeah, right. I mean, he doesn't... It's The weird thing is, it's not a werewolf movie, which there's a real distinction between yeah. what this movie is and say, let's say, for example, the greatest werewolf movie of all time, Teen Wolf. Oh, my God. It is not a movie where the guy is a werewolf, which is a human-sized wolf, as I understand this. The mo He's actually turning into a literal wolf. Now, during the course of the movie, when they show Nicholson with yeah. the, the wolf makeup on, it's, it's him with you know, as sort of a werewolfy look. Yeah. But the end game is always that he's going to end up a wolf. There's never anybody saying like, you know, he's a werewolf. No, they never say werewolf in no. the movie because it's not a werewolf movie. And I think there's, there is something interesting to that concept, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. But I think it's nuanced because most of the movie, it feels like a werewolf movie because it's sure. the same kind of activity other than the end game. Like at night, he does wolfy things and looks wolfier. And during the day he's a regular dude. And, with some wolfy type capabilities. So it, it feels very much like a werewolf movie, even though he's not technically a werewolf, at least right. to me. And that's why I was curious if you could set this in the context. I know I can't, but can you set this in the context of like other werewolf movies? You know how like vampires will have their time and there's a bunch of vampire movies and like, yeah. how does this fit with like all of the American werewolf movies that were out there? And like, yeah. So you know, interestingly enough, I, I've, I've said this before. I mean, I'm this huge Teen Wolf person. And I was on uh, Dave and John's podcast, Reconciliation, to talk about Teen Wolf not that long, but last year. And so I, I did look into a lot of other werewolf stuff at the time. And werewolf movies had a really big run in the 80s. But by the time you get to 94, there's not a ton of werewolf stuff. After this, then there becomes more... They get back into the werewolf thing. There's a, there's a Benicio Del Toro Wolfman movie from like 2001 or a little later maybe. And so then there, there's kind of werewolf stuff again. The Twilight movies have a lot of werewolf stuff in them. But those yeah. are kind of like they turn into giant wolves, right? They don't turn into regular size wolves, right? Yeah, I don't even know. I, I mean, I guess you would call them werewolves. I don't really know technically what makes something a werewolf. If the like man werewolf thing was just because when it started, we didn't have great movie effects. But yeah, they straight up turn into wolves. Yeah. They never have that like half wolf, half man like look to them. They're either yeah. they're either humans or they're wolves. Right. I, I think the, the Benicio del Toro werewolf movie is like, a le that's legitimately based on the old universal monster movie werewolf, where it's just a guy who turns into a wolf, like a werewolf. And then like silver bullets and all of that. Like that's, it's that, right? This isn't that at all. Like this is just this straightforward thing. And I don't think it really bears a lot of resemblance with most of the werewolf movies of the time. American Werewolf in London, that's a human werewolf. Like that's a big, that's a dude who walks yeah. around. And then all of the kind of related movies to that. Now, Tom Everett Scott was in a sequel to that, right? Wasn't there like an American werewolf in Paris or there was another American werewolf movie. Do you remember that? I think he was in Paris at some point, I thought, but I don't know how many of the original, like, I don't know much about that series. That so the series, know. I think that movie is almost a remake of the original. I don't think it's, it's supposed to follow a path. Like that was just oh, okay. trading on the name. But I remember like after he did that thing you do, he was in this werewolf movie, but I can't remember what the name of it was now. It wasn't another American werewolf in London. Yeah. Um, but like that's a couple years later. 
Uh, but in the eighties, like there was like legitimate, like, like horror movies that would really focus on werewolves. Like the howling is a werewolf movie and Wolfen, and you know, teen wolf, teen wolf. And then, you know, you know, and then you go back, there's werewolf movies back throughout film, but you know, I think I didn't really remember what Wolf was when we started watching it. Like, I remembered, you know, basically what it was, but I didn't realize how nuanced it is and how unspectacular it is when it comes to its real horror stuff. Like, it's really oh, yeah. kind of a murder mystery for the second half. Yeah. And then the first half, I think I described at the time, is kind of like a serious Woody Allen movie where, like, everybody's real smart and like he works in a publishing house and they keep going to these parties and like there's all this like backstabbing but kind of bickering and banter yeah and it's odd and and i think this again points to the fact that mike nichols directed this movie yeah for no yeah. reason that i can think of yeah and like he has a fancy job and it's like he, this guy's gonna steal his job and he's gonna get separated from his company but might need to go run their their operations in Eastern Europe. Like these are not, he's not like getting fired from his job as a plumber. Like he's like a, a an executive. And it it's, feels like there's some ageism involved because yeah. you know, Jack Nicholson plays this guy. And at this point, Nicholson's like in his mid fifties, late fifties, James Spader is like the guy who's going to replace him. Who's, and, you know, and this was in Spader's run of playing a lot of young douchebags. Yeah. Like, and, and he's excellent in this role. It's a perfect James Spader part. Yeah. Uh, but then Christopher Plummer is the guy who's coming and taking over the publishing house. And he's all he was always an old man. And he seems like an old man. In this. Yep. So like yep. there's like levels to what's going on there. And that story for the first half of the movie feels completely separate from all of the wolf shit that's going on. Yeah. Yeah. So so it's a little disconcerting. But yeah, again, even outside the plot, it's still why did anybody involved in this movie make this movie? Yeah. Yeah. I can't figure out because I mean, like Nicholson, obviously great actor, but he looks so ridiculous in some parts of this movie. Yeah. Like he has to like sniff act and like, you know, like act like a. He, there's one point where he's like walking, but he's walking like kind of wolf like, but on two legs. It's weird. It's the yeah. whole thing's weird. And I don't like Michelle Pfeiffer. I mean, I don't, uh, I can't really place this in her, like in the context of her career. She does seem too famous for this, but she has such a small part and like, she has some acting like, okay, maybe, but I, why Jack Nicholson did this movie? I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, I would guess, like, Nicholson at this point was making, after Batman, he kind of makes a lot of big studio-type movies that feel like paycheck movies. Yeah. Not bad movies, but it just feels like he's doing different stuff, you know? Like, yeah. immediately after Batman, he made the Chinatown sequel, which he directed. And I almost get the impression that, like, at that point, he has so much cachet, and he's such... he Even though he was always a star, he's now a huge box office yeah. star. That yeah. he was like, I want to make a sequel to Chinatown. They're like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. You know, and then you he do, does, man. you know, he does Mars Attacks in 95, which is another big effects movie. And in 94, he does this. And I mean, it's a summer movie. Mike Nichols is directing it, who, you know, an all time great director. Yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer is the star, is the co-star. Like, there, you know, Christopher Plummer eventually wins an Oscar. Uh, he's in the movie. You've got Spader. Kate Nelligan yeah. was nominated for an Oscar two years before this for The Prince of Tides, and she has nothing to do in this movie. Wait, like, who did she play? She his was wife? his wife that cheats yeah. on him. And so she's in it, and she has like a couple scenes, but she doesn't have anything really to do no. to be the point like Oscar nominee Kate Nelligan right when 
she has just gotten this now. It's like you think her career would now be really something. Yeah. And yeah. she's legitimately like the sixth build person in this movie. Like it feels like they, f- I know they didn't, but it feels like they filmed it in 1986 and yeah. just like waited to release it or yeah. didn't release it. And then all these people got real famous and they're like, oh, we should put this movie out. Like that's yeah. what it feels like. It's, it's weird. And I, I don't know, again, I don't know whose idea this was, like where this, the nucleus of this concept came from and how it attracted all these people. But I feel like, it makes the most sense that Mike Nichols probably brought his name, brought all these people in. He yeah. didn't, he directed still pretty steady through this whole era, yeah. but he didn't do a lot of serious stuff at this point. Like he directed the Birdcage, and he directed a couple other comedies right around there. When he did, did primary the colors. These were after, but yeah. he did working oh. girl, you know, right in this time uh, he directed regarding Henry, which is a serious movie, but it's not a, it's a weirdly not heavy movie in the same yeah. way. It's, you know, like it's still kind of light-ish. So I guess it's the idea that Mike Nichols is making this wolf movie and they're like, yeah, all right, I guess I'll do that. But I didn't really, like until I watched it again, I hadn't seen it in a while and I guess I didn't realize what this movie actually was in a lot of ways. Yeah. But but yeah. it is this oddball, like, it's a very violent movie and in, in it's like wolf, like yeah. scenes. But it's almost like they're filmed like they're supposed to be animals. And then a lot of the directing seems to have Jack acting in this weird animal way yeah. that it's doesn't so work. That's just strange. Like It's so weird. And, yeah. and so, so many times they like are clearly suspended on things and they fly like yeah. and, and that's like supposed to be wolf like. But that doesn't it just feels like they're flying like it's weird. Yeah. Um. The, the directing of people as wolves, I would say, is subpar in this movie. <laughs> I mean, look, I don't know how to direct someone to act like a wolf. Like, I'm not going to do better than Mike Nichols. But, like, yeah. I, I just, it was distracting, I think. Yeah. The other thing that I found disorienting about this movie is, like, you you kind of know what the movie is. You turn it on to watch it. And the first thing that happens is he gets into the fight with the wolf and yeah. gets bitten. And I'm like, I don't even know who this guy is. Like, I the way the, the summary of it on, I don't know, Netflix or IMDb or wherever you watch it was like mild mannered executive uh, gets bitten by wolf and then becomes different person. Like that's how they framed it. I'm like, you don't even know this person and they get bit by the wolf, like in the first scene. And then you're like, Oh, and here's his life. Like it feels like you needed a scene or two to figure out who he was to care that he got bit by a wolf. And also I would just like to say, it makes no sense that he would hit a wolf with his car and then get out and check on the wolf. Nobody would do that. Everyone, you just drive away. Yeah, that does seem, it did seem strange, but I do feel it has this almost like it's this artistic choice, right? Where this is the first thing that's going to happen. Like, we're not going to waste any time on Jack's yeah. life. Jack, who plays a character named Will Randall, uh, which I think is great because uh, a guy who I went to college with and who appeared in our Baseball Humbug episode as John Henry, the owner of the Florida Marlins, his name is Bill Randall. But I do think it's hilarious because I had no, I didn't remember that at all. Yeah. But Will Randall... Uh, gets into this car accident in the first scene and there's no, yeah, right. There's no like idea of who he is, but like, it almost is like this odd choice because again, Jack is this huge movie star. So in everything Jack is in, he's essentially Jack, right? Like there's, there's shades of it here and there, but like, you know, so all of a sudden Jack Nicholson gets bit by a werewolf and that's just like a great concept for a movie, right? Yeah. And like, this is what we're doing and we're not wasting any time. Because if I think if they had built in a bunch of publishing house stuff first, like they go to the party and like people are going to get fired and it's this whole like rich person drama that goes on and then he gets bit by the wolf. I don't know. Maybe that maybe it it takes too long to get there. 
I don't know, maybe, but it feel it makes it feel more like I mean, look, it's it's the driving incident, like it's a plot device, but yeah. like it makes it feel more like a contrived plot device than I think it maybe should have. But I think also because he gets bit by the wolf in New England somewhere and they keep commenting on the fact that there aren't wolves in New England. Right. But, they, but he lives in New York City. So they never explain why he's in New England, what he's doing in New England, like yeah. how he got home, like nothing. They just like he was just like, oh, I was in New England. Don't worry about it. Like, yeah. it's so weird. I almost got the impression because of why they keep bringing that up is that the movie was meant to be set somewhere else. Yeah. Right? Yeah, because it seems odd. Like, they, why would they keep saying this? That like, oh well, all these wolves. Like, there was a wolf in Vermont. Well, there's no wolves in Vermont, and like they keep saying it. And I thought maybe it's to let people who don't live in New England know this. But at the same time, I was like, why? Like, yeah, shouldn't this just be set somewhere where there's wolves? Like, I don't, I don't get that. <laughs> but is that like this? Only the supernatural wolves live in Vermont. Like, yeah. maybe that's what you're supposed to take from it. I, but I mean, that's a weird thing to keep hammering. Yeah, they never explain it. They never attempt to explain it there's never any like not it's not even a consideration like we're not going to worry about why this particular wolf causes people to turn into wolves it's just he like goes to see some like i don't know medicine man i don't know if that's what you would call him yeah like a shaman or something yeah, yeah like a shaman and and he's just like oh yeah sometimes people who get bit by wolves turn into wolves that's the thing yeah and that's that's the explanation but even that guy is kind of like i don't believe it but it could happen could happen (laughs) And then he wants, and then in one of probably like my favorite scene of the movie is at the end of that, where it's this older guy who's made up to look older, which is weird, yeah. uh, like an Indian guy. And he wants Jack, he wants Will Randall to bite him and turn him into a wolf, maybe, even though he doesn't really believe it. Yeah. So I think it was actually a bit of eroticism thrown into wolf. <laughs> yeah. A movie that already like... has a bunch of sort of bizarre sex scenes with Michelle Pfeiffer <laughs> that you never really see. Yeah. Um, but they he, needed he, a little man on man, elderly man on elderly man action. Yeah. The, Cause the guy, he like sticks his hand right in his face and he's yeah. like, Hey, bite me. Could you and bite Jack's me? Like, and then like, it's like no. awkward. Yeah. He's like, Jack's I'm like, going to no. pass. And like, I guess then having seen the whole movie, I guess that's more to tip off that there is no one else like this. <laughs> Cause like, yeah. Like that guy even says he doesn't really believe it, but then he also says to to him like, "Oh, but you're different from I've, I've never seen anybody like you." So like, I don't know what he's trying to say there. Like, is he trying to say, "I've never you know somebody who who believes this as much as you do," or I've never seen anybody who's just a wolf, even though I've just said I don't believe in this. I mean, it feels like they're trying to add complexity and depth to the character, but not very effectively because he says something along the lines of like. Oh, if you're if at your core you're a wolf, which they've tried to sort of set up Jack Nicholson's character like he's a pretty like laid back guy, which is how he gets his job stolen from him. Mm. Like if you if it, on the inside you're a wolf, then you'll turn into a wolf. So like the fact that you're turning into a wolf like makes you unique because not everybody turns into a wolf. And he was like, yeah, I, I there's nothing about me that makes me think I would be the kind of person who would turn into a wolf. Right. I'm not so much hung up on why any of that happens. Because the, then at this point, the movie is very much in one direction, right? Yes. The first hour, first half of the movie, it is this bizarre publishing house drama, and he's developing these wolf abilities. But yeah. he's not killing anybody. He's not doing anything. He's no. I, I think he kills that deer in, in a fairly early part of the movie, but mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. it. And then otherwise he can just smell really strongly and he can i think hear he can hear really well but that's about it like there's nothing you know they're not showing him running and jumping over things that comes later but once he gets involved with um michelle pfeiffer's character who is the old publishing 
house owner's daughter. Yep. Um, and she really has nothing to do. I mean, she's just no. she's look she's just standing around looking looking good. Like that's it. And like everybody always com- That's all everybody comments on. It's just like, well, she's she's gorgeous. And even like the conversation she has with Jack. Jack kind of like says to her like, "You are not even an interesting person. You're just yes. good looking." And then this endears him to her for some reason. Yeah. Because then later he's like, don't get mad at me for saying this, but you're beautiful. And like she in the movie smiled, but yeah. every other woman was woman was like, oh, yeah, 1994. Gross. I thought I mean, I thought after like their first meeting where he's like not exactly laying it on, but he's running this routine about this whole like, well, you know, you, you don't have a lot of depth and you get mad because people only think of you as pretty or whatever. And then she just blows him off. I was like, oh, well, as a character, that's a pretty it's yeah. a strong choice. It's not like she's just buying into this. Yeah. Um, but then, I mean, she's immediately on board after he tells her she's pretty. Yeah. <laughs> He's pretty like, you're pretty and she's that. like sold. Yeah. M- Michelle Pfeiffer's place in this film, not the character, but why she's in the movie is probably the most mysterious thing to me. I mean, I, her and Jack had done Witches of Eastwick a couple years before this. So okay. she's, you know, got a pre-existing relationship there. And maybe that was fun. But Witches of Eastwick is a completely different type of movie than this. That's like yeah. a, a wild science fiction comedy about the devil. Like it's a whole, you know. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't, you know, this is this does not feel like that. And then again, it's Mike Nichols, I guess. But like her character doesn't really get much to do. No. Even though in the end, she has a pretty good ending. I think the way that yeah. her character wraps up, uh, I, I guess we're spoiling everything. I guess it doesn't really matter. Oh, but, yeah. I mean, this um, movie came out in 1994. You've had your time. Yeah. As the movie progresses, you find out that uh, James Spader, who plays the oily uh, sycophant who's trying to steal Will's job, he also is a wolf because Jack bites him early, early in the movie when he yeah. finds out that Spader's nailing his wife. And so you kind of forget this happening because I, I think then you don't know Spader's a wolf until the very end. Yeah. But after uh, Will Randall's wife just turns up dead, <laughs> mauled to death in the park, and you're obviously like, well, he's the only wolf. It must have been him. Yeah. Then all of a sudden we remember uh, Spader. And so there's a final battle. It's a whole people are dying left and right in the last 20 minutes of that movie. Is there even clarity? Like, so the thing about when Jack's a wolf is he doesn't remember it. Like he doesn't remember what he does as a wolf. Yeah. So we just assume he he killed his wife. But did they actually clarify if Spader killed his wife or if Jack killed the wife? Well, I think the idea, I mean, the movie is supposed to point you to the idea that Spader did it because we're supposed to be on Jack's side, right? Mm -hmm. Even though him and his wife have that scene where they argue, I don't think, I mean, he then does, like he spends that night in the hotel with Michelle Pfeiffer. Now, during that sequence, they do show him leave and come back. So yeah. That's supposed to point in to the like park, this, which this is where mis- she was found. Right. But no, yeah. I think the idea is in those last couple scenes with Spader and he's with Christopher Plummer and then yeah. with the cops, he's trying to frame Jack for this, obviously, because he's telling them all this stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I think he was trying to get Jack to go to jail so then he can get his job because, again, he's still trying yeah. playing this suck up part. But no, yeah. the idea, I believe, is Spader killed her. Yeah. And then he kills a bunch of people at the end. In oh, yeah. The final showdown at the house. But Michelle Pfeiffer is actually the hero in all of this. Uh, yeah. her, whose character's name I don't remember. Laura? Laura Alden? Laura. Yeah. Laura. Yep. She okay. is the kind of hero in this as Jack is getting his ass beat. And oh. then she manages to shoot uh, Spader and yep. Stuart and kill him. Stuart? Yeah. I think yeah. That's right. I think so. So she actually comes out of this pretty well. And Anne has like kind of the cool last moment where you see she's also a wolf. Yeah. <laughs> because why the hell not? Yeah. I but think her part, like her being in the movie was confusing to me. Yeah. I think what's interesting is the theory was supposed to be like you become a wolf on a full moon night 
and you, which doesn't apply to Spader, apparently, but you, and then you have the time until the next full moon to like be a half man, half wolf, and then you become a full on wolf. Like you get bitten. And, uh, yeah. But she like seems to be headed toward becoming a wolf right away or like it's weird because at the end she like runs into the woods to like find Jack, but she's not a wolf yet. We like, she like just, I don't even remember who bit her. It was in that fight. I think oh. that she gets bit in that last fight. So this would have yeah. just happened. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I didn't follow the timeline as far as like w- how long a time this movie's supposed to be taking place, but Jack becomes a wolf a bunch of times. So it can't just be a full moon thing unless this is all taking place over the one moon. Well, I think it's full moon to full moon. Like, but that's a month, happens, right? Like, yeah, it should be a month. Right. Yeah. And so at least that's what I thought they laid out, but clearly that didn't apply to her and it didn't apply to Spader. So I don't, well, I mean, but Spader had the same thing as Jack where it seemed like he was becoming a wolf around the same time. It's just Jack has that weird amulet. So that was kind of preventing him from wolfing out all of the time. (laughs) And the amulet was given him to him by the shaman. Yeah. And at least at first it seemed like it was complete bullshit, but then he's getting burned by it and he has to pull it off to come wolfing out so he could fight Spader and just get his ass beat. So, yeah, yeah, I don't. It was a little inconsistent as far as what the abilities were at what point. But again, yeah, this is a very artistic movie in, yeah. in a strange way. So that I don't think it was too hung up on all of this. Yeah. Also, as we're talking through it, I feel like I'm re-energized by Wolf. Uh, all the drama, uh, eight point five out of ten. Oh, so you're a big Wolf fan. I, I'm coming around. Like the, the whole amulet thing, it's like drama. And he, he rips the amulet off and throws it in the air so he can become a wolf. But yeah. you know when he does that, he's basically throwing away his future because he's going to become a wolf and he didn't want to become a wolf. But then you find out that she's also going to become a wolf so they can be like, they can have wolf puppies and that's yeah. great. Like, that. yeah, I, I'm uh, sold. Nice. I'm glad you've come all the way around. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I always liked this movie at least I thought I did. Like, I was always like, I remember it being good, but I don't remember watching it a lot. But I mean, I remember the trailer for this movie was awesome because the trailer is like all the wolf stuff and it's like crazy. And it's that yeah. scene where like Jack pisses on Spader's shoes. Oh, and he's like, yeah. I'm just marking my territory. And you're like, this movie looks crazy. Like, I got to see this, you know? Oh my God. And then again, also, it's 1994. Michelle Pfeiffer was Catwoman two years earlier and Jack was the Joker five years earlier. And I'm like, oh my God, we got a Joker Catwoman movie. This is incredible. And so, like, I was all in on Wolf when it came out, but I remember it being kind of dull the first time I saw it because there are these long Woody Allen-ish stretches where they're just kind of making literary jokes. And I was like, what the hell is this? But, you know, I, yeah. I appreciate it for what it is. Like, I think it's a it's an enjoyable movie, but there's a lot of strange stuff in this movie. There's oh, yeah. a lot of odd choices. And, and I think a lot of that comes back to Nichols. I mean, I think that because he's such a big deal director maybe a lot of the instincts that maybe Jack and, and Michelle Pfeiffer would have had don't come through because he's very directing this movie. Yeah, yeah. And it's clearly not a movie he's comfortable directing. It's not the type of movie he makes. No. And so the fight scenes kind of suck and the effects are kind of bad. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of CGI. It's a lot of practical makeup, but the way it's filmed is so bizarre. Yeah. And I, I think that all comes back to him. Yeah, I I, th- I mean, look, I want to give him credit that like directing someone to act like a wolf is hard and, sure. you know, but but I've seen it work better than yeah. it, it like in Teen Wolf. OK, I know it's not a good comparison, but in Teen Wolf, no, they Teen basically Wolf's just, a perfect film. It's, it's a it, right. So it's an unfair comparison because Teen Wolf is so good. Exactly. But like they basically put like more hair on them and on him and give him nails. And then he just acts like a human. Like there's no he's not really all that wolfy. 
But yeah. like here, they're trying to be like the sniffing, the sniffing is distracting. Like, yeah. like they had to find a way to tell the audience that that uh, Will Randall was smelling something that other people couldn't smell. And they have like funny exchanges about like smelling alcohol on people and like that would have been sufficient. But no, there has to be a pause and like sniff acting before right. that line. And that is that's never good. It's never yeah. good. Yeah. And a lot of characters do it. There's a lot of all the wolf yes. characters end up with the sniff acting at some point or another. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I was uh, while we were watching the movie, I turned to Joe and I uh, quote a line from Friends, which is what Joey calls smell the fart acting. And it's when you're supposed to be like being dramatic. You like turn to the side and look like you're smelling a fart. And that's what it looked like, except active like nose crunching and sniffing. Yeah. It was aggressive. <laughs> yeah. I, and, like, I, and I think that a lot of that points back to the directing, which I think is not a good fit. Uh, even though, again, Mike Nichols is an all-time great director, great but director. I don't understand what it was here. Like, I wonder if it was this something along the lines of like Jack maybe really wanted to do this, and and then Nichols was like, okay, I'll you know if Jack's doing it, if it's not like I got to act, you know, direct Keanu Reeves to play a werewolf, like then maybe he's like, yeah, okay, we could go with that. Now they had made a movie together earlier, which I know is a movie you love. Uh, Mike Nichols directed Jack in Carnal Knowledge. Which oh my god! Is the film where I believe you see Jack Nicholson's balls for like a whole solid scene. Well, I don't remember if I fell asleep and you were watching that, or if I was doing something else. But Joe was watching that movie, and I woke up, and it was just like sex, like act. And I was like, "What are you? What, are you watching porn? Like, what are you doing?" He's like, "No, no, it's a movie." Yeah, it was a that was that was Mike Nichols' movie after Catch Twenty Two. He made Carnal Knowledge, which is is a pretty good movie. It's not a great movie, but it's an okay movie. Yeah, um, it's got a lot of good performances. The it's a it's pretty dated now. This fifty year old film, but there are these. There's the scene where Jack's wearing like a robe, like a weird yeah. little robe, and he's sitting with his legs crossed. And I swear to God, like I never, I didn't think of it until I believe you were there and we were watching. It. I was like, I think those are Jack's balls. Yeah. We paused it and I we were we were watching it in the bedroom and I, and we paused it. And I got out of bed and I got up real close to the TV. And I agree. <laughs> I think that's what it was. I think they were balls. All of that said, I was wondering, like, your theory was always that Mike Nichols was attached to it first. And that's what got all the stars on. But what yeah. if it was Jack? I guess it could be. What if like, he just really wanted to be a wolf? I guess it could be. Like, you know, I'm not sure. And I couldn't I couldn't find this out. I tried to look it up and see, like, what was the genesis of this idea? But I, I couldn't find anything. And it's got to be some combination of the two, right? Because I don't understand otherwise why you end up with so many stars essentially in these small parts. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, again, Michelle Pfeiffer is the other star of this movie. Her, she's the other banner person yeah. and she doesn't have a ton to do, even though she's in it a fair amount, but as a character, her character is kind of nothing and doesn't get yeah. much until the end. And, and again, this is at a time where she had been, you know, doing a lot. She'd been nominated for Oscars at this point and she was a big movie star. I don't totally get it. I don't, I don't really see why she's in this. You know, and then like the other random people who turn up in it, like David Hyde Pierce is in it. And this would have been just when Frasier started or right around that time. So yeah. it's a small part. So, but you can see like, he's, you know, trying to get some other work. Yeah. <laughs> and then weirdly Schwimmer pops up in it. <laughs> I forgot Which, about that. This must've been filmed before friends. I mean, figure it must've been filmed in 93. Yeah. But he's like a cop in central park. And we, we had this theory that like they, so they find Will Randall in the zoo, I forget. Oh, trying to find something to eat, I think. I think he's so. Looking, yeah, he was like looking for food because he's in New York City. And they arrest him. And our theory was that that's how Ross got the monkey. 
Yeah. Like he was in the zoo and was like, oh, that's a cute monkey. I'm going to take that monkey home with me. They're right next to the monkey cage when he yeah. uh, when he tries yeah. to arrest uh, arrest Will. So, But I, it's really out of the blue because I don't think I've ever seen Schwimmer in anything before Friends. So I was like, no. oh, my God. I've barely seen Schwimmer in anything other than Friends. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's fun like when random friends people pop up in like stuff before cuz there's not yeah. none of them have long careers like no. I think we already talked about Aniston in Leprechaun 1. <laughs> uh, and I saw Chandler, uh, I saw Matthew Perry on an episode of Who's the Boss the other day. Well, that's right. A late episode, but he's playing a character that's very much Chandler just a couple years earlier. So yeah, uh, he's just like that. some like doofy guy who's trying to like date Samantha like something. <laughs> um I just like I love the idea that Jack found this movie first. Like Jack got attached to this movie and he was like walking around his house and he'd like walk by a mirror and he'd look at himself backwards and just be like, Arr. like I'm going <laughs> to yeah. be a wolf or yeah. like howl a little bit. Like I just, I really like the idea that Jack just was in love with the idea of acting like a wolf and yeah. got like Mike Nichols and Michelle Pfeiffer to buy into this idea. Yeah. And they got to the, and they were like, wait, you want to do what? <laughs> Like, I wonder, I mean, because that's a sort of appealing character. I mean, he gets to play this, like, wolf. It's kind of fun. But even yeah. inside of that, he plays a kind of, like, sexy older man character, which you don't really see Jack. He didn't have a long period of time to do that. That's true. Uh, because he was, like, a young, virile dude playing, like, sexy leads, sort of. And then he, all of a sudden he's old. Like, and it didn't seem like his 80s didn't really play out that way. Now, mm -hmm. his character in Witches of Eastwick is similar. I mean, he plays the devil, and it's a very charming, fun, sexy devil. But in it, even they recognize that he's kind of gross, like he's kind of odious in this film. Mm -hmm. And but because he's the devil, so he's off putting, even though they are drawn to have sex with him, because that's all that movie really is. And sure. then revenge, which is always looks a lot of fun. Yeah, this movie is not that this is him being like <laughs> sexy, rich, older, and he's like manipulative and he's trying to like, you know, steer this publishing drama his way and all of a sudden he's banging Michelle Pfeiffer. Like it's just kind of wild that all these circumstances. Yeah. So I can kind of see where that's appealing. I'm still just confused by <laughs> when he sees like what the makeup is going to be. And this is where we're going to look like as the wolf. And you're gonna have to go fight James Spade. And it's like, just, yeah. you know, you're going to, you're going to go eat a deer and we're going to show it. This is full on in the film is him yes. killing it. This yes. weird puppet deer that he has to kill. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. The, the best moment though, is he, there's a moment in the film when he is like, he's early in his wolf stages. So he's like kind of realizing what he is. He's not feeling well. Like he's clearly ill as he's like working through this and he's in, and he's in bed and Michelle Pfeiffer is like nursing him. And she's saying like, oh, you know, you stay here tonight, tomorrow morning, I'll make you breakfast. We'll have eggs and bacon. And his eyes go wide. He goes, bacon, <laughs> like the bacon strips commercial. Yeah. <laughs> and it's filmed from such a weird angle that it's like almost yeah. up his nose, but his yeah. eyes get real big and it's real strange. And you're just like, just okay, really we get it. He's part animal. Like, okay. Yeah. He wants meat. Okay. Because wolves like bacon. Like it doesn't even make sense. Yeah. Oh. A lot of wolves on the farm here in Vermont. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was, that's, it is a wonderful moment. It's so Joe just kept doing the bacon strips. Yum, 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 yum. <laughs> I want bacon. <laughs> it was so, oh my God. It was so crazy. That Wonderful. movie's so weird. It's so weird. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it, on some level, I think that makes sense. I think we may have broken it down that maybe it was just Jack, but 
Yeah. It is confusing how this came together. Because uh, again, look at look at Mike Nichols' career. Look at the the stretch of movies he makes. <laughs> you know, I mean, even going all the way back is unfair because he he made so many great great movies right at the beginning. He makes Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf and The Graduate. Depending on your opinion, Catch Twenty Two, and then like Carnal Knowledge. Okay. He also directed another Jack Nicholson movie that isn't anything special called The Fortune. It's with him and Warren Beatty, and it's like a weird Prohibition-era comedy, sort of, that doesn't really work. Right. Uh, and then, you know, he kind of comes back and makes this stretch of really solid-ish movies. Like, he made, he directed Silkwood, Working Girl, Postcards from the Edge, Regarding Henry, and then Around Wolf, Birdcage, Primary Colors. Like, and then he did other stuff later in his life, but that's a pretty good run to just cram a wolf in the middle of. Oh my a, God. A, I mean, I, I guess you'd have to call it a cult movie because again, I don't know how popular it is now. And it's so strange that I don't know how it could ever be a real mainstream right. thing. I would just say, listeners, go check out Wolf and oh. uh, add us. Let us know what you think. If you uh, haven't seen it or if you haven't heard of it, which I guess is possible. Oh my God. Yes. It's a really strange movie, but it's really interesting in all of the choices that were made inside the movie. Yeah. I would say something we haven't mentioned that's really disconcerting is the soundtrack. And most of the time music doesn't it usually just fits and you're just like, okay, yeah. and you either don't notice it or it's so great. You're like, this is wonderful. Yeah. But this has this bizarre, like synthy kind yeah. of piano yeah. soundtrack that Ennio Morricone apparently does, but it doesn't sound like an Ennio Morricone score. No. That's really intrusive and really bizarre and an, a yeah. very odd thing to layer into this. It makes it feel like a much earlier movie than it is. Like it yeah. feels like an eighties movie in that way. And I actually didn't that I didn't make that connection until you said it, but I think that's why I'm having such a hard time placing it in 1994 mm -hmm. because the actors seem too far along in their careers to be doing these parts. And the music really puts it as an eight. It feels like an eighties movie to me. Yeah. And the eight and eighties movies had these bonkers plots where like, you know, just crazy shit would happen and it would seem normal and everybody would act like it's normal. And that like felt like an eighties movie thing. But in the nineties, that kind of went away. You know, they would at least put crazy events and people would act, react to them like they were crazy. But like, you know, I mean, you remember mannequin, like they were just like, <laughs> Oh, this mannequin comes to life. Oh, okay, cool. Like it was like a minute to get over the hump. And then a Andrew McCarthy fell in love with her. Like, yeah. no, that feels like an eighties movie. And, and I think in many ways, this feels like an eighties movie. Yeah. I mean, Teen Wolf is actually another really good example yeah, where yeah, yeah, he yeah. becomes a wolf very publicly and in front of everybody. And like, it takes, I don't know, a minute because they're in the middle of that basketball game. And then literally no one has a problem with it again. Like, no, that's just what it is. And, you know, that's a, that is a standard 80s, but that's 1985. <laughs> so yeah. like that is well before this. But yeah, but yeah, I mean, this movie does make a lot of odd decisions and the construction of the movie is really jarring and and so really good. disconcerted but i think it's a pretty entertaining movie it's probably a little too long and the last hour because the plot changes so much from the kind of it's marching along and then it becomes this murder mystery thing uh you know i don't know how well that really works but yeah no we were like an hour in and i was like oh my god there's an hour left how's there an hour left of this movie like i couldn't believe it but then once his wife dies like yeah. the whole movie the whole movie changes yeah i mean the plot up until that point is very much like yeah he's got these little wolf abilities but it's not really doing anything and then the work part solves itself like and then yeah. that's all there is like him and michelle pfeiffer are sort of hanging out but i don't think they're by that point they're really involved because he's not doing crazy wolf stuff yet yeah he's just doing mild wolf stuff. 
Yes. So, yeah. So one. But all in all, I, I'd say I'm glad I have it in my life. I'm glad yeah. I experienced it. Yeah. Like, recommend. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, again, like when I was a kid, I was it was a movie I was real excited about and then was a little disappointed at the time. But I remember liking it. And then I just kind of didn't see it for a long time. So yeah. I, I don't know exactly. I, I must have seen it since then, but I don't remember when that would have been. But I had I had very distinct like Jack Nicholson, Michelle Pfeiffer periods where I was watching a lot of that stuff. Because again, I was yeah. a huge Batman, Batman Returns fan. And so I watched a lot of their movies. And then the fact that they did this movie together at their peaks, I was like, oh my God, this is fantastic. So, uh, <laughs> but it just comes in just a, 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 yeah. a touch, a touch low of that. Was so. it, was it fantastic? It was, it was good. It was oh, I'm not saying this movie was fantastic. I'm saying, yeah, you, you know, were excited. I was excited that this was happening. Not, not yeah. what the result is. <laughs> Again, the result is a strange other thing. I was just excited yeah. that it it existed. One last question for you. What is your favorite moment of Jack being the wolf? Uh, I mean, honestly, like in seriousness, the best Jack part is at the end is when he's, when he tears off the amulet and he starts becoming the wolf because up until then you don't see him metamorphosizing into yeah. a wolf right you only see him do these weird little wolf motions that don't feel right yeah but in this scene this is the best effect scene in the movie and it is this this full-on performance thing where he becomes this wolf and it really is a great a great moment yeah um in seriousness otherwise i would say it's probably when he smells that the tequila on that guy's breath because <laughs> <laughs> that is a great moment for jack too so and then you can like hear him talking about him across yeah. this big crazy office that they live yeah they work. Yeah. What would That's you say it. is your favorite Michelle Pfeiffer part of this film? Honestly, okay. So she has this very cool moment where all the chaos happens at the end. She's like in danger. She murders James Spader. Like Jack runs off. Like they have this moment, like they're in love and, da, 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 and he runs off. And the next time you see her, her shit is together. She's got her makeup on. She's got a nice outfit on. She comes out to the police. She's like, oh, I was scared. I don't know what was happening. I don't know what any of this was. Like that was cool because she yeah. had to get up off the ground, crying, makeup, blood, get her life together. And then like lie to the police and then she became a wolf. So that yeah. was, that was cool. Like yeah. that moment where she like came out, like dressed in a new outfit and like red lipstick on. I was like, oh yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. Pulled it together nicely. I'm down for that. You know, I, I guess I'd recommend it still. Like I think it's a movie that holds up. I don't know that it was something you'd want to watch a lot. And I guess I'm probably glad I've only seen it maybe twice in the last three decades, but you know, I still think it's well, probably a pretty <laughs> solid film. I also don't think there are a lot of people who watch the same movie a lot. We had a friend who for a while would watch Snatch every night before she went to bed. We don't know why. No. I don't think this is that movie. No, probably not. I mean, I don't know. My dad used to watch The Scorpion King like every day. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like, he was just, he liked, there was like four movies and he would watch them yeah. all the time. Like The Scorpion King, there was that Richard Dreyfus mob comedy, The Crew. Those are about <laughs> forgotten films. All the time he watched that movie. Didn't uh, he watch Intolerable Cruelty a lot too? He watched Intolerable Cruelty a lot, which I I don't understand why what that was about. Like, there's always something like I just don't get it. Like, <laughs> he watched Tomb Raider a lot. <laughs> the I think the first one. I don't know if it was the second one or not. But sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, he did. There was movies he liked that were good movies, but he also did watch like The Scorpion King over <laughs> and over again. Not not The Mummy two, but The Scorpion King all the time. <laughs> Really strange. Oh, so some people like getting, do it's getting near the end of the night. Uh, it's time for the Scorpion King, I think. That was it. I think he just how he fell asleep. Yeah. 
So I don't have that. Like I, I don't, you know, I try to watch a variety of stuff. So I don't tend to rewatch a lot, but yeah, but I don't think Wolf would be it. I think that would be, especially it'd be tough because that again, that first half hour, that's, that's kind of slow. Yeah. It takes yeah. a while to get going. Maybe, maybe they filmed it in such a way and they realized how slow it was. They're like, we got to get him bit by this wolf a lot earlier. <laughs> and that <laughs> maybe that's why it's the first scene. Yeah. Immediately has to happen. They're like, oh, there's, everybody's going to fall asleep. <laughs> it's funny that like after that, he has scenes where he's not wolfy at all. And you're right. like, but he just got bit by this wolf. Should we talk about this? Yeah. yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, maybe this is the part of the part of the idea, but it's, it's peculiar. So uh, I am glad we got this in. I didn't know. Uh, if we were ever going to really have a chance, because we had to go find this movie. And it's not real easy to get. I don't think this is, it wasn't on streaming. We had to actually rent it. When was the last time we rented a movie? Like out of necessity. It's been a while. I have no idea. Yeah. yeah. So, so that was fun. And, uh, you know, I'm glad we got this in. I'm glad I finally won a dealer's choice Aww, in, your, for in you. your face. Oh, I was being supportive. Oh, what'd you say? I said, good for you. Oh, thanks, honey. In your face. <laughs> Suck it. Um, all right. So how are we doing the, how are we getting out of this? How are we doing the outro? Oh, dealer's choice. You get to do the outro. What would you like me to do? Um, oh, I would like you. I've already established. I can't do a Jack Nicholson impression. Damn it. Because that's, I believe how this came up in the first place is when I, we yeah. mentioned this movie. Yeah. You said something about it and I can't, I just can't do one. I don't do a good Nicholson. Yeah. I would like to just, you to sing your favorite song about a wolf. Uh, you know, the first thing that occurs to me is that jazzy version of the Three Little Pigs. They used to remember the old cartoon of that? No. Here's a story of the Three Little Pigs. One played a pipe and the other danced jigs. The Three Little Pigs are still around, but the playing music with the modern sound. Because I remember at the end, because the wolf would come and he's playing the horn, and that's like it's this real jazzy version. But the the wolf would come and he would he blow the house down with his trumpet. Oh. So. And then at the end, they blow him up somehow. Oh, my uh, God. Because uh, uh, bricks are stronger than straw or sticks. The big bad wolf, he learned the rule. You gotta get hot to play real cool. That's, that was how it was? Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, my favorite wolf song, though, would again bring us back to Teen Wolf. And it's I have the, figured. The big bad wolf song that they, they, they weirdly dance to at the dance. Uh, it's not a song you can sing. It's like a very 80s song. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, also a great song. You know what? I'm glad we could really just bring this back to Teen Wolf. It's really all that matters. You're welcome. I think next season, I think this was convinced us. Next season, we got to do 1985. God damn it. But we're not doing a Teen Wolf episode. Oh, I, we're doing, all we're doing is Teen Wolf. <laughs> Can we just air your reconsideration episode again? Because that feels like all you need from a Teen Wolf episode. I'll just direct people to it. But I, you know, if you give me a whole show, if we just did, could we just do Teen Wolf and we take it like minute by minute? We'll do an episode on a, every minute of that movie. No. We should. No. We don't have to. I'll do that in my spare time. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Bye. This has been It Happened One Year. You know it'd be great. Give us a rating. Give us a follow. We're everywhere. 